This is the Big Brand Theory Podcast by Blackwood Creative with your host, Kyle Johnson. And now, here's Kyle. So you talked about um, how you kind of, when you're getting into it, you, you started putting out content and and super, super important for people to understand, right? And even, even myself, really, to have that patience of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be consistent for... X amount of time, whatever it is. And then like, had like, talk to me a little bit about that. Like the Instagram growth and what yours is specifically in Instagram, but maybe this is in, maybe somebody's trying to grow a YouTube channel or something like that. But like, what, what advice do you have on taking, cause taking, uh, an Instagram channel and growing that? Cause I was looking at yours, uh, and noticed that you were putting out milestones, which was really cool. I think on how many followers you had. And I noticed I did the math. I don't even know if you've looked at this yet. Um, but you've, you've grown like 9,000 followers in the last two weeks. Yeah. So that's pretty incredible. So talk to me a little bit about that Instagram growth. Yeah, man. Um, you know, great question. I think when I, when I started like, you know, to go back to the origin story, I, I, um, when I started the agency, I was inspired by Gary Vee and I was like, look, I just want to, I know I had to make content somewhere. And, um, I didn't know what content to make. I personally hate quote pages. I hated, you know, um, the whole TikTok dancing thing. I was just like, it just, none of that interested me. Right. And again, like if you're listening to this, like no offense, um, you know, uh, it's cool if you're doing that. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't my taste. It wasn't my take on things. And I think that, um, I, I've always been gravitated towards, I've always been attracted and, 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 um, interested in creativity and like good writing and art and design and things like that really grab my attention. Also the way I learn, um, I'm going to answer the question. I'm just circling around it for a second here. This is how <laughs> I learn. I learn visually. I don't learn great. Um, by, you know, reading, I force myself to read and I've taught myself to be good at reading. Um, but I love looking at like pictures and diagrams, breakdowns, and I love metaphors and I love stories and I love things that have context. And I love it when you can take a really huge idea, huge concepts and just make it really bite size. And it, mm-hmm. so like, if you can take something huge and, and package it in a really bite size, um, piece of whatever, I always felt there's a lot of wow factor in it. I was always like, wow, you don't, you don't need to speak for half an hour. You can say so much with one sentence or one metaphor could, you know, could fill up. You could, you know, I feel like a lot of authors take one metaphor and they fill a whole book, you know? Um, it's, you know, one, one author I love is Marty Neumeier and he takes a lot of huge metaphors and makes a sentence out of it. So every time you read Marty Neumeier's content, you're like, it hits you differently. Cause he's just, it's just so, so strong in it's, in it's content and it's delivery. That attracted me. That was interesting to me. Way more than a quote, way more than, than dancing and, and um, you know, quick tip videos where people are yelling at, at the camera. Um, so I, when I started the agency, I started looking online. I was like, there's got to be better content out there for, for personal development and for, for business and marketing and branding than just quote pages. Like, there's got to be something better out there. Anyways, I surfed through YouTube. I found Chris Doe and um, mm-hmm. grabbed my attention immediately. Like, I was like, this yep. guy is sharp. He's methodical. He's like, he cuts the fat. He gets straight to the punchline. Um, he's a great teacher. He's a great educator. He's great at sharing metaphors. He uses a lot of parables and stories. He's very anecdotal. Um, and he's just funny and he's just whimsical. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. This is my guy. Like, I love the way this guy delivers content. Why is he not mega famous? It baffled me. Anyways, so I went onto his Instagram and I saw these things called carousels. If you don't, listeners, if they don't know what a carousel is, it's a post on Instagram you can swipe through. 
it's like reading an article or you can use videos or photos or whatever. You just, it's like, it's like a magazine. You can flick through it. And, um, I noticed he was posting them on his page and he was teaching these really huge complicated ideas and making them very bite-sized and actionable. And he would leave, um, the last page of the, the carousel to really give you some homework or to give you something to go do or teach you how you can think for yourself. Um, you know, so I, I saw that and I felt that, that, that was really interesting. I was like, that's really beautiful. I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could be someone like Chris and at heart, I'm a teacher. I love teaching. I love leading. I love educating. I love mentoring and coaching. Um, not as a life coach type person, but as someone that, that I, I actually get fulfillment out of seeing people have aha moments. When I, when I see a client go, Oh, like that. I'm like, yes. Like, how do we, how do we duplicate that? So everyone has that moment. You know, so yeah. for me, I'm always trying to find ways to help inspire and educate people to have those aha moments. And, um, it's just, it's a fuel to my, it's, it's a fuel to my flame. Like I really enjoy that long story short content, right? So that's a bit of context. The content I was like, okay, I love reading and I love teaching. What do I know that I could teach? And I was like, well, I know a lot about sales and I know a lot about marketing and I know a lot about, you know, getting attention and negotiation and networking and how to grow a network. And, you know, when I did network marketing, I recruited 2,500 people myself in two years. So I, I know a lot about how to get a crowd together, how to get a, a group of people working in harmony, how to lead people to their dreams and their aspirations. So I took all that energy and I was like, all right, I can make carousels. I'm just going to write things about that I know that I'm an expert in. So I started writing about psychology and sales and negotiation and stuff. And people loved it. People were connecting with it. But it took, it took about two months when I first started before anyone really cared. Like I remember going to my job and I remember, you know, walking into the workplace and staff members would come up to me and they'd be like, Hey, what's this like crap you're posting on your page? You know, you used to post photos of you and your dog. And now there's like these weird swipey posts that are about <laughs> self-help. Like what's the deal, man. And I remember yeah. like, I didn't get offended, but I was just, was, I just felt like, Oh, you don't get me. Like, it's cool. Like, you don't, I don't even care that you don't even understand. Right. Yeah. I, I knew what I was doing. I knew it was valuable. And for the people that were in my ecosystem at that time, they didn't appreciate it. And I don't, doesn't phase me. Um, but what started happening was as I was creating them, I had so much fun making them. I felt like I was teaching myself. I felt like I was by taking big audacious ideas and packaging them, making diagrams for them and breaking them down. I felt like things were clicking in my head. Like as I was writing the carousels, I was almost solving my own problems. So like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, like I instinctively know how to do a sale, but like I force myself to stop and break it into pieces and write a yeah. diagram for it, which forces yeah. me to go, well, do I really understand this? Or is it just, is it just in my intuition or is it tactical? So I was analyzing everything I did and I'd break it down into pieces and I'd, and I'd analyze the pieces and then I'd build diagrams. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's not really fun to read. How can I add a metaphor to this? How can I, how can I make this interesting to read? Like, how can I make this themed, you know? So instead of like how to five steps to making a sale, it's like how to become a sales samurai, you know, mm -hmm. and then I'd use like some parables about samurai and their way of life. And I just, I just, I guess I kind of quirkily just made it more fun to read. It had the same message. So yeah, I would take huge ideas, break them into pieces, solve my own problem, make them into diagrams so they can be really easy to teach. Um, interestingly enough, like when we started our online, um, 
community where, where we have people jump on the live calls every week, we could, I could take a carousel that someone could read and understand in 10 seconds and I could break it down for two hours. I could break it down and I could show examples and metaphors and have conversations about it. So each of those carousels, they're like huge content pieces. So I put a lot of energy and research and, and I go pretty hard on them. But if I was to say this, my page wasn't so much about the audience. I was actually trying to solve my own problems in business, documenting and journaling them in a creative and fun way, making it public. But it's like a public journal. It's like, this is how I solve this problem for myself. If you find this valuable, great. If not, I don't care. I found it valuable. So <laughs> my method was, yeah, it was very self-centric in a sense of like, I found it fulfilling. Um, and I, I knew if I found it interesting and fulfilling, someone else would. About two months later, after doing this, people started to click on. People started to enjoy the page. Um, fans started to roll in. I started to get like a little group of people that really fanboyed me and that was okay. I was like, that's cool. If I can give you help, great. Um, and then that just rippled out, man. Six months after that, you know, that's when things were just blowing out. Like I was getting yeah, mm. 10,000 followers a month. Um, I was getting hundreds of sales inquiries uh, sometimes a day. Um, and I had all, an all I could eat buffet of people that had problems that I could help solve digitally. Um, so the content, like if, if I could give any tips to the listeners right now, it's, it was my passion. You know, I wasn't making content that I hoped made money. I was making content that solves huge problems that I found fantastically valuable. You know, if you look at most Instagram pages, LinkedIn pages, Facebook pages, what is it? It's a paywall. It's like, Hey, this is what we do and how we do it. And why are we great? You know, the bad comedian again, but my page, I was just trying to focus on, Hey, I'm just gonna give away everything I have for free. If you find it valuable, also, if you want to steal my stuff, go for it. If, you, if this can make your life better in some way, I'm happy to have helped. Um, and I think that method, people felt that, people picked up on that. People could tell that I was literally just giving it away for free. I had zero expectations and there was no paywall. I didn't, people didn't have to pay to get access to my good stuff. I gave it away for free. The interesting repercussion of that is the demand I had of people wanting to give me money was insane. Like people were like, how can I pay you for stuff? <laughs> like people were trying to find a way, like, how can I pay you? How can I give you money? Like, can you do consulting with me? Can you build my logo? Can you do my website? I wasn't trying to sell yeah. anything and boatloads of people were asking for help. So I think the biggest fallacy in, in social media content is like, how do we convert? How do we get attention? I think if you just go, All right, what's really valuable to our target audience, what problems do they have? And what's actually actually intrinsically going to help them and how can I package that so I can help them right now? Cause if they, if I can help them in 10 seconds, guess what they're going to think, man, if Dane did that for me in 10 seconds, what could he do if I got on a call with him and did some coaching with him? What would he do if I paid for his workshop? Right? So I think by giving it away for free, it's like a taste tester. You know, when you're in a supermarket and there's those ladies handing out those tastes, yeah. you have one of those yeah. bad boys, you're like, damn, can I have five more? You know, so I felt like that's, <laughs> that's what was happening. So hopefully that answers that question in an interesting way. Yeah, man. So I heard, I heard talking about stuff that's your, that you're passionate about, which I think is, is extremely important, but also like this idea that you're just like, I'm just, I'm just kind of figuring stuff out on my own and I'm just sharing it for the public. And obviously there's a lot of other people that have the same problems. So they're latching on. And the idea of like, I'm going to put this out there, not only just like share all this information, but share it in a very creative way, which I mean, you're hundred percent on point. Like, um, 
you know, Chris Doe, like you mentioned earlier, like he, I would say his, his feed and your feed have like a lot of similarities and super clean and a lot of like large text is very eye catching stuff. So, um, so not only putting something out there that you're passionate about, but being creative about it. And it's, and you're putting in, like you mentioned, like the, the research and the, and, and paying attention to like details. I looked through sev- several of these and I'm like, wow, I, I, I learned something new. I didn't know that about, about that thing. So, um, it's not like you're just like, I'm just gonna jot a couple notes and have an intern whip something up and throw it out there. Like this is like <laughs> legit learning, learning content there. So yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really awesome. It's funny, really, man, really like, valuable. I've, I've had people in my team as well. They're like, Hey Dan, like, you know, um, you can just delegate this. I'm like, nah, I don't want to like, <laughs> it's my baby, man. I'm, I love, like, I actually love doing it and we meet. And again, there's nothing wrong with delegating your team to make your content. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, my, and this is an unpopular belief system. I'm just going to share it with you. Cause this is, this is how I think of the world. I'm like, if I'm going to make a personal brand, why wouldn't I be personal about it? Yeah. Like why, why would I, why would I want a personal brand, but I don't want to make the content. I want to delegate it to someone. I don't want to reply to my DMS. I'll pay a VA to do it. I'm just like, why would you want a personal brand then? Like, sure. Like you're going to have a brand get to the point where you can't manage it anymore. But I'm talking like most business owners from the get, they didn't even want to, they didn't even want to manage their personal brand from the get. They're like, Oh, I just want to like, I just want to go do this stuff over here. I don't want, but I want a personal brand, but I don't want to be involved. It's like, well, you can't, you know, you can't, Yeah. You can't have both. Like, I think, I think you can delegate it. I've seen it done. Okay. But it's never been as momentous as people that actually involve themselves in their community. All the big personal brands I know that are blowing out are people that are actually involved on their page. Like even Gary Vee is busy as hell, but he's the one that actually uploads each post. He writes the captions. He writes his hashtags. He replies. He's like, if you ever get a DM reply or a a comment reply, he's he's done it. You know? So (laughs) there's so much, and I think that's so interesting. And there's one video by Gary that really grabbed me. And he said in one of the videos, he said, um, he's like, most, most CEOs don't make time for it. They want to delegate it. Fair enough. But he's like, I want to be interested in scaling the thing that's not scalable. Mm-hmm. So Gary's like, I can't reply to every DM, but if I had to, how would I do it? I can't, I can't write on my posts, but if I did, how would I do it? He just, I just think it's interesting. He asks, the question in a different way. And he has a different vernacular and a different perspective. Most people are like, how do I hand this off to someone? He's like, if I had to do it, how would I scale it? How could I possibly stretch myself to do this? And that mm-hmm. grabbed me. And I was like, look, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, yes. I run a team of 14 people. Yes. I'm flat out. I got clients. I got, you know, I'm probably going to open my emails off this. I'm probably going to have 60 new emails. No joke. So <laughs> yeah. like the point being is that if I can make time to make my content, anyone can. I've got a family, I've got a daughter, I've got a, you know, I've got a beautiful fiance, I've got family, I've got friends. Um, but I think if you want a successful personal brand, you've got to spend time on it. You have to invest yourself. You've got to love what you do as well. So, and like I said earlier, I, I just looked through some of the, some of the posts that you put through. I mean, there's, there's a ton of them that we could talk about, but there's a few of them that kind of jumped out to me. And I would say, um, are on the minds of other people because I've had, I've personally had conversations around some of these recently and then many times in the past. And so I want to talk a little bit about this one in particular, we talk about digital marketing is not marketing. Um, and, and the, I'm, I'm just gonna leave it from there. Cause I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Because in this, in this world that we're in now, right. It's 
everything's everything's digital especially in a in a post uh covid kind of idea that like we've been forced to to do everything remotely and digitally and and so and so by default then all marketing should be digital so i'm i'm curious to hear what your thoughts on that are because in this post you're saying that digital marketing is not marketing so what does that actually even mean yeah so um again this post went crazy it went bonkers um and uh I intentionally wrote the title to confuse people because I wanted people to debate this. My, the, this is me poking the hornet's nest with that post. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I like to make fun. I like. I'm not. I don't like to troll and bully people, but I certainly like yeah. to instigate a little bit of drama because I think that sometimes out of that you can unearth new things, new ideas, new perspectives. Um, so when I say digital marketing is not marketing, digital marketing certainly is a p- component of marketing, mm-hmm. right? So we're not talking about. So for those that haven't seen the post or listening to this, um, I'm not saying that digital marketing isn't marketing in that respect. It is a part of it, but it's not the whole picture. It's a slice of pizza. It's not the whole pizza, right? So if you want to have a good meal with family and friends, you don't order one slice. You order the whole pizza, right? And honestly, sometimes people order two or three different pizzas and then they share different flavors and so on. So for me, digital marketing is one slice of eight slices of pizza. You know, and for everyone to say that this is how to market, it's like, well, you're missing a lot of other stuff, right? So, you know, there's a lot of agencies out there. There's a lot of, you know, if you if you Google like if you go into Google right now and you type in top marketing um, influencers right now, and it, it shows you the top 20, I guarantee out of that top 20, maybe one of them has an MBA in marketing. The rest of them are just they're self-taught. And, you know, again, like here's the interesting thing is like, I'm self-taught. I'm a hypocrite in saying this. However, I constantly force myself to read and, and educate myself on traditional marketing. So on my shelf here, I have every book about the history of marketing I could possibly get. I've signed up for every possible course I can get. And I'm seriously considering going to university next year and getting an MBA in marketing. Like, this is, this is how passionate I am about marketing. I think it's a, I think it's a huge problem that, that exists. What I'm trying to outline in that, in that post there is that everyone's trying to say, hey, the Band-Aid for your problems is digital marketing. If you just had a good digital marketing plan, your brand and your company would be sweet. And it's like, okay, well, sure, you can get conversion, you can get leads, but it's not the holistic approach. The holistic approach is like, okay, cool. You want to get what? You want to get more money. Great. Well, we need to do a full diagnostic we don't just, this is, this is real marketing. Real marketing is not like putting up content, plastering adverts on Facebook. Like that's a component of marketing. It's one vehicle. <clears throat> the easiest way I can have conjecture on this is probably explaining it this way. Marketing is diagnostics, followed up with strategy, and then finalized with tactics. So diagnostics, what are all the problems in your business? Staff, overheads, software. They're all problems that people have. Leadership, capacity, leverage, time, energy, you know, all these things that businesses have. That's all a component of marketing. Hey, Mr. Custom, how much time do you have in a week? Well, I, I do 16 hour days. Okay, cool. Uh, how many people do you have in your team? I have a team of 12 people. Okay, cool. What's the company turnover a year? Oh, we make 32 million a year. Okay. Um, and what are your biggest problems right now? Oh, like, you know, our franchisees aren't doing things the right way. They're not executing our plans the right way. Um, you know, you know, and and I did this recently with a company. We dived into a company, a big company that has um, 26 franchises across um, my state. And upon analyzing the company, we realized that they have all these franchises, and each franchise has a different owner, and that owner does things their own way. And now they have a branding problem, right? So they have a problem with 
consistency across all of their chains. All the, all the chains use different paints and promote themselves in different ways and use different methods and, and so on. And they have a huge competitor coming into the marketplace, eating our market share. And this company is struggling to survive. And the problem that they have is they don't have a solid approach. They don't have a united team. Everyone's on a different warpath. They don't have one unit, one mission, one conglomerate. They're all doing things different ways. They're trying to herd cats, essentially. Try mm -hmm. Get 20 yep. cats and try to get them to sit next to each other. Like That's, that's yeah. what's happening right now with this company. So the, the point being, and I'll get back to the marketing question because hopefully this just adds some an, an analytical context. The problem this company has is from a marketing perspective, sure, they can run ads. They can run the best ads. They could have the best digital plan. They can have the best website, the best content, the best this and that. Marketing-wise, they have a problem at the core of their team. That's a marketing problem. Okay, cool. How do we get our franchisees in alignment? How do we get our team in alignment? How do we lead the team on the same mission? How do we curate that mission? How do we diagnose all the problems at every level of the company, from the cleaners all the way up to the CFOs? What are all the problems? That's marketing. Marketing is like, let's run a full diagnostic problematic approach and be Debbie Downers and point out every problem in your company. This is what real marketing is. Let's pull out every problem, every single problem, staff, culture, attitudes, paychecks, wages, you know, like leadership, um, HR, semantics, like all that stuff. Let's run full diagnostics. We're going to be really negative about it. We're going to pull everything out, put it all on the table. This is real mark. This is how real companies do real marketing. Second is strategy. Now that we have all this crap on the table, what are we going to do about it? What are all the possibilities? Let's, just, let's list every possibility. Okay, well, what about if we did this? And what about if we did that? And what about if we did this? And let's take all these problems and put them in the clusters. And let's try and come up with solutions for each cluster. Okay, what are we going to do with our staff? What are we going to do with our storefronts? What are we going to do with our cleaners? What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with that, right? Plan out the whole thing. Um, last is tactics. Okay, cool. Now that we've diagnosed the problems in the company, strategize what we can do to improve it, how do we tactically go and build this? How long is it going to take? Six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever. How, how are we going to roll this out? How are we going to change all these things? Because again, if you have a broken team internally, digital marketing is not going to solve that problem. It's not going to help their company. Yeah, you might bring in leads, but again, are they optimized to convert those leads? Are they making the most money from those leads? Are they doing the most to upsell them? Are they creating a good experience so the customer wants to come back a second time? If the customer doesn't want to come back again, then you're constantly trying to find new people in the market versus nurturing who you already have, right? Strategy. Last is tactics. Okay, tactics are, let's make social media content. Let's build a new website that's more optimized. Um, you know, one of the tactics could be like, let's repaint our, our, our store locations. So when customers walk in, there's a certain experience that's been, that's been experienced. Um, you know, how do we put you on a billboard? How do we put you on the side of a bus? Where are your target audience? Oh, they're in the city. They're not on social. They're walking around the city looking for, you know, a restaurant or a place to eat. Okay, cool. Well, while they're doing that, how could we grab their attention? What's in the streets that we could utilize? You know, so this is tactics. This is when I say, when I say marketing, digital marketing is not marketing. It's a part of it. It's a slice of the pizza, but it's not the whole picture. If you're not mm -hmm. doing diagnostics, discussing proper sound strategy and then figuring out how do we, how do we actually run this out? Tactics could be, okay, we've got 10 grand a month to spend, but 12 team members, what team members can do what to help this mission? Um, how much of this 10 grand should we spend to, to make this mission successful? How many months is it going to take planning that out? That's marketing. Marketing is you putting together this whole plan. That's marketing. That's what people go to university to study is how to do all of that, how to run diagnostics and research, how to strategize and theorize. 
how to take it to the market. That's marketing. Digital marketing, if you know, and, and this is the problem that's happened in our community is someone puts a hand up. I'm a digital marketer. I'll solve your problem, Mr. Customer. Great. What do you do? I run Facebook ads. Awesome. What else? I just run Facebook ads. Great. <laughs> what do you do again? I'm a digital marketer. Okay, great. Well, why wouldn't you just label yourself a Facebook advertiser? You know, so it's, it's people labeling themselves as something they're not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so imagine if you see a duck on the top of a pond, you know, but underneath it is a, is a dog's body. Like these people are promoting themselves as something that they're actually not, you know, that duck can't fly because it's got a dog's body under the water, but you can't see it. So this is the problem that people go to. They go to a marketing agency, a marketing specialist and go, Hey, I have a marketing problem. What's your marketing problem? My business isn't making money. Well, Mr. Customer, you need Facebook ads. Great. Here's $20,000 run massive amounts of ads for me. Three months later, ads aren't working. We're not converting any leads. Nothing good's happening. Marketing is useless. Sucks. Right. So it's getting a bad name. So, Almost every customer we talk to about marketing, we say, what have you done before? They go, oh, you know, I've done heaps of marketing stuff. Well, what have you done? I've run Facebook ads. What else? Oh, I did SEO one time. What else have you done? No, that's it. So no one's ever done a diagnostic or run a campaign for you? No. We just did those two things. Okay, Mr. Customer, that's not marketing. Let us show you what marketing is. So this is, this is why I'm poking the hornet's nest is because that's real marketing. And I would like to see more people embrace that rather than making fun of those that come out of university and have legitimate sound method, methods to, to approach the business. But that's my take on it. Man, I, I really love how you, you kind of brought in the like customer experience piece of it. Cause that's one of those things that like we've been, um, we've been kind of working through here in house on our end is like, how do we help with that idea of customer experience or looking beyond just the, the, the outside, the, the visual piece of marketing that, that everybody can see, whether it's the website or whatever, and, and really diagnose, like you said before, like, here's the, here's the problem. We're, we're driving a ton of leads over here. Um, and they go through this path, but the path ends here and, and there's nobody to guide them the rest of the way or whatever the problem is. And we, yeah, it's, it's easy to just say, well, those Facebook ads didn't work. It's like, well, actually they did. Uh, you just, your, your path was cut off. The bridge was out or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like they, we need to fix this. And whether that's, that's a team issue. It's training. Um, we're working, we work with a, we work with a couple of companies that they're recruiting drivers for, for trucking and stuff. And so it's paying attention to the recruiters and like, are they answering questions properly? You know, how's their attitude? Are they smiling? You know, all that kind of stuff like that can make a difference in, in the marketing. If you're looking at marketing as a whole and not just, well, we're running ads over here and, and we can't really tell if they're working or not. So yeah. And, man, and the business owner is part to blame too. Like, and again, like nothing wrong with Facebook ads. Like I run Facebook ads. And oh yeah. You convert like great if you know what you're doing. Um, but again, like it's don't label it as marketing. It's an ad, you know, label it as, as a, as, as a vehicle of your marketing strategy. So market, I guess marketing is the, the full campaign, you know, like if you go to war, you don't just have like, you know, one soldier on a battlefield, you have, you know, you have the Navy and you have the Air Force and you have, you know, the, the, the land troops and you have the mortar and all that type of stuff. You have, you know, lots of different things to win the war. So if you're trying to win the war in your marketplace, you're going to have to have different strategies for different things. You're going to have to do, do five, six, seven different things in harmony. That's marketing. It's like build a campaign that's going to work in harmony. So like part of the harmony, like you said, is maybe it's a landing page. And on that landing page is, you know, there's this, there's a video and that video describes what the product is. So you, you run a really good ad, they go to a really good landing page. They put the details in the landing page, it notifies the sales team, sales team calls that person, 
the sales team says, Hey, look, I want to book in a call with you. When are you free? They book a call in, they get on that call, they explain something. The customer goes through the pipeline. Designing that whole thing, that's marketing. Running mm-hmm. the ad, yeah. It's just an ad. You know, it's so just a piece of it. It's just a piece of it. It's a piece of the it's a piece of the puzzle. Like you said, like at what point does the customer fall out? You know, Facebook ads don't work. Well, no, your campaign didn't work. You didn't have a good campaign. Um, the Facebook ad was one piece of the puzzle. But again, business owners, you know, this is typically how business owners approach problems. They go, I have a problem. Um, I'm going to go do this thing that solves the problem. And that's it. There's no further conversation. It's like, oh, I need leads, run ads. Uh, oh, I need to get my message out, you know, put a website up. You know, there needs to be an additional step in there. There needs to be an additional step, which is like creative thinking. Okay, cool. What else could we do? Like, could we innovate? Could we do something different? Could we um, come up with a dramatic and radical campaign? You know, like KFC's bucket. So in London, KFC ran out of chicken for about a week and a half, two weeks. And um, there was a big debacle about it and, and people went nuts. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a huge problem, right? So they did, they, they did the marketing campaign. Hey, how do we solve this problem? Okay, cool. Let's make fun of it. Let's make fun of ourselves. So let's rearrange the KFC in the bucket to say FCK. You know what that word that yeah. is. And it, yeah. and it just said, we're sorry underneath. And they actually made the bucket. They physically made these buckets. So when people went in to buy chicken, it said you know, fuck, we're sorry on the side of the bucket, which is funny. Yeah. You're eating your chicken. Like, thank, thank goodness they're back. I can eat chicken again, but it's like, they owned it. They took responsibility. Um, and they got over a billion, um, impressions on social media from that one campaign, one little baby marketing campaign on a real bucket. They put it on a billboard. It's funny. And it went viral, you know, so that's, that's an example of a company that did something in the real world and it went on digital. So here's the thing that people are missing is that the real world's still out there still during COVID. People are still driving. People are still going places. People are still doing something in the real world. Can you do something radical in the real world that gets talked about on digital? Can you create some PR? Can, you know, we're working with a few companies right now. We're trying to get them on the news and we're confident we're going we're gonna to do it. Um, but if you can do something radical in the world, it's going to get seen on digital anyways because people communicate on digital. So mm-hmm. I guess if you can figure out, hey, what's an interesting way we can collide worlds here? I think that's where it's almost like the interesting thing right now in marketing is like traditional marketing, like doing things old school, but with a spin and then taking it digital. I think that's, that's the remix that we're in right now is everyone's jumped on the digital bandwagon and completely forgotten about like, Hey, traditional still works. People still live in the world. There's still merit in it. It's just, we have to do it in a new way. We have to make it innovative, make it more fun. It's going to, it's going to evolve. You're going to see people jump back and it's going to evolve and it's going to be new and interesting. Um, and we're already starting to see companies go back to radio, back to TV in a really weird new way. Um, so again, it, we're just in a weird pocket of innovation, I think. Uh, staying right there, like what, what else are you kind of seeing as you're paying attention to kind of, and, and, and you're in Australia and we're here in the United States, but I mean, I guess across the board, like what are some things that you're seeing, maybe trends or ideas that you think like, we should be paying attention to this year as we head into marketing and changing up strategy or different ideas. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's like, Oh, it's going to be a trend, but here's the thing. I've been watching it for two weeks. I've already seen it change three times in two weeks. Yeah. Like the culture in there is rapid. So what, I mean, this is, I was chatting to Chris Dell about this last week and we had a funny conversation about, Hey, remember YouTube back in the day? He's like, yeah. And he, Chris came up with this thing. He's like, Hey, remember like the biggest video at, uh, at the start of YouTube was the guy doing the evolution of dance. Go on to YouTube and look it up. It's a really funny yeah. video. And it's this guy just playing different music and all the different eras of dance. That was the number one biggest, most paid for video on YouTube at that time. The guy made money on it. And now you go on YouTube and it's all like 
conglomerates and companies and music record companies. Like there's a lot of companies and, and, and corporations. There, there are personalities on there as well, but it feels like corporations have taken a really good footing on, on YouTube now, um, which is really interesting because when it started, it was just a small guy. It was just a dude dancing in front yeah. of the party. You know, it was funny. <laughs> so Clubhouse, I feel like Clubhouse is the evolution of dance right now because um, right now it's just anyone can get on there and anyone can network and anyone can make leads. Anyone can run a room and get attention. If you don't know what Clubhouse is, go check it out. It's a voice-oriented platform. But I've been watching Clubhouse. It's like 99% I'm a life coach. And it's just a room of 20 people speaking for 30 seconds about how great they are and how they're changing the world. Um, but there's no content being given. So the interesting thing about Clubhouse for me is I'm observing all these rooms. It's just all small talk. There's nothing concise, clear, and refined. There's a few people doing it. Um, they're, they're running rooms and teaching content. But I think that that platform is really interesting. It's trending really hard. It is a digital thing. Um, but I think that somehow people are going to innovate it into the world. I think people are going to try and find an interesting way to incorporate real-life events, like maybe real-life business events, real-life functions. Um, and, and, and Clubhouse is going to be a part of it somehow. So I think the real world and Clubhouse are going to collide in a real, really weird way. Um, there's already a lot of con controversy and a lot of, there's a lot of press coming out about it because people are getting into debates, into arguments. It's a live voice call. Imagine going on a phone mm -hmm. call with your arch nemesis and you have completely polarizing <laughs> perspectives. Yeah. Well, hell's going to break loose. And what's happening is Clubhouse is getting a lot of PR right now. But that's, that's making real-world implications. Like in the real world, people, people's businesses are being disrupted by this tiny platform. So I think if you want to watch something and just be a fly on the wall and watch some really weird stuff play out, I'd probably just check out that platform. Because again, over the next three to six months, it's really going to transform. It's going to flip and do different things. Um, but I think that that's, it's really interesting seeing humans talk versus doing everything by pixels. It's really interesting seeing live conversations play out emotionally with live people, not just like a quote on a page on Instagram. So it's really interesting. It's getting really heated in there. It's really fun to observe. And I think um, the forecast in my perspective is maybe two years or three years from now, the only people are going to be winning on Clubhouse are big celebrities. For now, the little hmm. guy can get in there and blow up. But I think it's the same thing that happens on YouTube. I think they're gonna the algor algorithm is going to favor those that make the most money and that have the biggest press and the yeah. biggest XYZ. Well, it's smart right? So eventually you're going to see them focus on the big content creators. So for those of you now that are using Clubhouse, I would start thinking about how can I innovate and make an interesting channel, not just do what everyone else is doing. What everyone else is doing is just crap. So I would look at that platform. How can I innovate on it? So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing a daily channel at 6am and I'm going to basically take one of my carousels and teach it um, and then do a little bit of Q&A at the end. But I'm not going to have people coming in and out. I'm just, it's just going to be me speaking. If you want to listen, great. If not, I don't care. Like, and I might have guests on there. I might interview people, but I think that um, Clubhouse is a really interesting place. It's going to make a massive footprint on the full marketplace. And again, it is digital and I understand that, but I think that there's real world implications. I think, you know, radio is going to get involved somehow. Live events are going to get involved somehow. Um, I think it's going to be a really weird um, connective type platform. Hmm. That's really interesting. So, and kind of tied into that, um, we see this a lot, this idea that 
we want to, we want to get out on, maybe it's an emerging platform like, like clubhouse or an existing platform like Instagram. And we really want to grow and we want to grow quickly. And we think the number one way to do that is by going viral. And I think there's this, like, it feels like there's kind of two sides to this, this coin here. There's uh, two arguments, I guess, is that this idea that viral content is not something we control. We just put stuff out and the market decides whether or not this is going to go viral. Um, and then there's the other side where like, I can actually create something that I think will go viral. Um, and so I, I want to hear from you cause I think you've posted about this. Like, what is your, what's your thoughts on viral content? Is it something that we can, that we can plan for or utilize or like what, where do we go? Like, how do we, how do yeah. we go from the, like what we have to, to this idea of going viral? That's awesome, man. Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'll answer, I'll answer simply and then I'll, and then I'll divulge. So to, the simple answer is yes, you can make viral content. Um, you have to be hyper aware. You have to really understand what's happening in the world. You have to really, you have to be super observant. Like you have to be really, really observant. Um, you have to really know what's triggering and what's trending and what's, what's being pushed in the market and what's the implication and what's the impact of it. If you can understand how society is kind of engineered right now and you can kind of see the movements and the current shifting in a certain direction, you can make viral content if you understand how. <laughs> you know, a famous example of this is the Kardashian family, constantly going viral. It's all planned. Like they know mm-hmm. how to create a media yeah. ruckus. They know how to make, they know how to, this is a famous example. They're, they're, they're professionals at creating viral content. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Six Nine, the rapper, knows how to make viral content, makes very controversial, very brash, very sexist, sexual, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of sexual stuff going on there. Like, again, like I'm not judging the guy, but like the dude knows how to make stuff go viral. Like he understands, um, if I make rap music and release a video every two weeks, that's better than releasing an album every two years. So the music industry has changed because people have realized that, Hey, to go viral, you just need to keep bringing out hits every week versus waiting to release a full album, you know, um, in the content space is depending on the industry you're in, um, the virality is going to be there for different reasons. You know, so if you look at the, um, uh, the human activist side of the spectrum, you know, things that are trending right now is seaspiracy, you know, that, that thing was planned to go viral. They knew that that video was going to go off. It's all planned because they know that, Hey, they're triggering, hot topics right now. They're unveiling what's happening in the world. They know that people uh, in the community of veganism in the community of human rights, and they know that, you know, caring about the planet right now is a hot topic. So what a great time to release a document when everyone's mid COVID thinking about the problems in the world and you drop in this epic, epic documentary about what's going on with the ocean. So I think like you can plan it. So on a, on a micro level, how can you as an individual content creator, whatever you're doing right now, how can you plan something to go viral? You have to be really observant of the industry. You have to really like, you can do things like go onto YouTube and click on trending. What are like, and, and do it every morning and go, okay, it seems that every day there's always a video in here about, you know, public debating with Jordan Peterson. seems like here every day there's a, there's a new rap video and it's about this type of content. And just observe what's trending and observe your industry and look at the top content creators in your industry. They're always trying to pick the next virality. So if you're really paying attention to the innovators in your space and your sector and your industry, watching what they're doing, watching what the world's doing and being hyper aware, you can start 
after a while, you get it, you won't do it overnight. But if you try to do this all the time, if you're always trying to poke at things and play with things, eventually you'll start to get into a rhythm and eventually you'll start to figure out what will go viral consistently. Gary Vee is a great example. He knows how to make viral content daily. He know, he's figured it out. There's a method to it, the AIDA method, A-I-D-A. Hook them in with a crazy video. Um, you know, Have someone ask a general question that everyone feels that is a question that they have answer that question and give them an actionable thing that they can go do immediately and pack it into a minute. That's he, he knows that those videos go viral. So he's just packaging them every day like that. So be good. You gotta be hyper aware. Like what are people in your industry doing? And it's painful. It's not sexy. It's not fun. Like it's not, it's not like a, a silver bullet, something that's really easy to execute. I'm not saying this is easy. This is hard, you know, running a marathon is, it sounds easy. It's freaking hard. Like try running a marathon. It's like, oh, put one foot in front of the other. Great. Do that for five hours. You know, so running a marathon's hard. Um, creating viral content is very hard. But if you if you consistently try to do it, eventually you'll figure out how to how to make viral content. If you consistently try to run, eventually you could probably run a marathon. So again, it's not something I think that people can do overnight, but I think if they become students of what's happening in the market and study it and execute and you have to be good. Uh, but I think if you, if you, if you, if you try to sing that note enough, eventually you'll get in harmony with it and you can, and you can do some great, you know, some great things with content. Like I, I every post I make now, I know kind of intuitively and instinctively how well it's going to perform before I write it. Like I know by the title, how, how well it's going to perform. Wow. Well, that's, that's very interesting because that's the kind of takes me to my next question for you is this idea of clickbait, right? So, so clickbait is, is kind of like, it feels like a four letter word. Like, um, we don't like it. And, um, it feels like the idea is that the bait is there. And does that mean that there's going to be a switch, right? A bait and switch. Um, so, so, but from your content and like from your idea, like it's not necessarily a bad thing is probably a good thing. So talk to me a little bit about clickbait and like this idea of, and it kind of ties into that idea of making viral content. Um, but what, like, how can we use clickbait? It should we be using it? Where should we be using it? Like, talk to me a little bit about that idea. Yeah. So I guess like different people have different meanings, what clickbait means. Um, you know, yeah. most people think it's a negative thing. Like, Oh, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, I don't know if, if you listen to this, if you remember getting Rick Ross, um, which was, you know, someone would put a YouTube video up and it would have some dramatic title and then you click mm -hmm. on it. And I was like, never going to give you up. And I was like, dude, singing that song. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that, you know, there's that famous version of, you know, people hated that. I, I remember yeah. clicking on YouTube videos and oh, I'm going to click on this. And then I'd be like, damn it. Like, you know, it's that stupid song again. Um, but here's the thing, like, you know, there's, there was that era where, you know, you'd be on Facebook and you'd see like an ad pop up and you're like, whoa, like, you know, what Jennifer Lopez looks like now. And you're like, <laughs> click on it. And it's just like a wall of ads. And it's, you know, yeah. there's, there's very little value. And they're just trying to, the, the, the agenda, if you will, is to try to get something from you. Um, yeah. So I use clickbait all the time. I'll put a post up that I know is going to trigger people in a certain way. It's going to trigger a certain level of interest. It's going to get people to want to engage. Um, but I know that I'm going to back it up with free value. And there's no, I'm not going to try and hook them into something that they probably don't want. So in the case of digital marketing, stop marketing, crazy clickbait. People are like, what? Like, how dare you? Swiping through it. Oh, I understand what he means now. He's just trying yeah. to say, you know what I mean? So like, I think, um, I think it's harmless in that sense. If, if you bait and switch, so long as when you switch it up, people generally are happy about it. They're excited. They kind of expect it. Like it's a part of our brand now. People know it, it happens. 
So for people that follow my page, they're kind of expecting it almost. Um, and for those that are seeing it in hashtags, it, it's bringing in a new audience and they might have a laugh and they might engage. And we get haters. Everyone's going to get it. You know, but we can't oh, yeah. measure it from that. We can't use that as a measuring stick. But I guess to answer your question, I think ClickBank's fine. So long as you're providing really good value. Um, everyone's doing it on YouTube. Go on to YouTube right now. Everyone's trying to make their thumbnail as sexy as possible. Um, again, it's just, that's, that's my terminology of like, they're just clickbaiting you into it. They might well fall yeah. for the first 10 minutes. There might be nothing valuable in that YouTube video. And they might save all the good stuff till the end to keep you watching. Um, but, you know, they'll certainly put all the energy into their thumbnail to make it as, as punchy as they can. Yeah, so like on your post, um, <laughs> you, you, you said become a, a clickbait god, which in itself is like right a version of clickbait it's like well i want to be a god like who doesn't so so i <laughs> that was really interesting you talk about like you building your your brain on dramatic uh on dramatic themes and images and in here which i thought was really really cool like you talked about this piece of clickbait and then you're going through like oh this is this is very interesting and and one of the ideas is this idea of using just more dramatic or uh, whatever it is, exciting imagery and so forth. Uh, and, and what are, what are some other things besides that, that we can utilize to help, like help us do clickbait the right way? Yeah. So I guess clickbaiting the right way, um, you know, trying to add themes to things like, you know, how I said before, like, instead of putting a post up, it's like five tips on how to sell, you know, you can make it more clickbaity by just saying, you know, become, um, you know, I, I think I had one w which was like how to, how to grow Instagram and I change it to, become an Instagram samurai or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I added a conceptual theme to it and it creates a lot of curiosity, provokes a, a different thesis in their mind. They're thinking about samurais and thinking about how cool samurais are and they're thinking about, yeah, I want to be a samurai of Instagram. Who doesn't like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it creates way more intrigue than if you were just like how to grow Instagram. Like, I think it's that that's how you can clickbait. If people are like, for me, I'm like, you, you, you're sparking curiosity and you're creating confusion because what they're about to see is probably different to what they're expecting it to be. So there's a surprise to be had. There's like, Oh, it's a mystery. I don't know what's going to happen. So if you can create that mystery, if you can create that, that excitement that anticipation as a part of your brand, that's really exciting. Um, you gotta, you gotta have copy that like creates curiosity that, you know, that sparks questions, you know, so digital marketing is not marketing. When people saw that, they're like, what? Like, I have a lot of questions. I got to read this or yeah. what the hell? Like this is no, that's not true. And they're going to want to swipe it. So if you, if your copy drives that, that amount of anticipation and angst, that's, that's in my terms, that's like good clickbait is if you can create that level of intrigue for them to want to engage, that's massive. Like who doesn't want to have more engagement so long as they're backing up with good content. Um, you want to be very emotional. Like I think, you know, trying to, trying to install some type of emotion, um, trying to promote that you solve a problem whilst doing that is also interesting. Um, you know, and also like, like you said, like using dramatic visuals, it amplifies your communication, you know? So imagine if that, that carousel image, um, it's an image of a, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen my page, it's an image of a, a like a bearded Moses looking guy reaching to the sky and there's like light shining down on him and it says become a clickbait God. It's really majestic. It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of corny. It's really stupid. It's whimsical. It's funny. But imagine if it was just a picture of a Bible, it wouldn't have had the same impact. So making mm -hmm. it dramatic visually also increases the intrigue. So I think, you know, if you want your videos or your reels or um, your music videos or whatever you're creating content wise to be more interesting, 
make it dramatic, like make it dramatically visual, you know, and musicians have been doing this on their CD covers and record labels for years, like trying to make themselves just dramatic and larger than life. They don't want to look like a singer songwriter that they want to look like Madonna or they want to look like Lady Gaga. It's just this, it's this alter ego. So it's this dramatically amplified version of themselves. So if you think about your carousels the same way or your content the same way, you're trying to amplify it with um, dramatic visuals. Um, again, sharing stories, you know, sharing stories, metaphors, parables, anecdotes, jokes, references. This is way more than step one, step two, step three. So again, having content that has a story, people love a good story. If the clickbait uh, indulges in, hey, this is a story, I think there's something to be said there. So it's just trying to take, it's trying to, it's trying to yeah, it's, it's trying to make things more interesting than they are. Trying to, you know, if you think about a movie cover, you know, if you think about, you know, when you used to go to a blockbuster, and you'd be looking at that shelf and you're pulling out different, um, you know, different DVD covers, you mm-hmm. know, they're trying to, they're trying that's clickbait. They're trying to say, this is a good movie to watch. Here's why yep. Bruce Willis hanging off a building by one finger. Oh, I got to watch that movie. <laughs> you know? So yeah. like it's, it's using dramatic visuals and interesting copy to try to promote and sell what you're trying to give. Uh, and in this case, it's just content. It's not a movie. It's not Lady Gaga dressing up in a crazy outfit. It's just me writing content and I'm trying to get as much attention as I can. And I think the importance there is that like in person, if, if you and I are sitting right across the table from each other, there's little subtleties that you can pick up on, um, that if I'm saying something that's, that feels like it's dry and serious, but I have some sort of look or like way about me, you can catch that. Oh, he's being sarcastic. We can't catch that when it's just a piece of content on Mm. Instagram. So we have to go exaggerate things even more, I think. And so that's where you're going from. There's some images that you have on here that it's like, it's super interesting that, um, the, the samurai, when you talked about like the imagery and I encourage anybody that's listening, just, just go follow Dane on, on Instagram at Dane Walker. And this image specifically is like, this is wildly different than the one that you have next to it. That's just a picture of a guy that's standing there. And it's like, okay, so, um, that is, exaggeration is hitting the next level because we kind of need that when we're looking at a, at a 2d surface of a phone. So we can't get the subtleties of it that we normally can. So that's yeah, really, that's really, really interesting. Uh, yeah. So like good copywriting allows you to say something uh, really robust in a really fun way, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, anyone that appreciates and understands copy, like you could have two different copywriters from two different backgrounds, right? Try to write the same thing. It's going to be dramatically different how people imagine it when they read both versions. Same with like visuals, like visuals just help you. They just aid in that communication. It just helps you communicate things in a fun way. That's cool. All right, man. So, um, just, let's just wrap this one up here. Uh, what's, what's, um, one thing that let's say a marketer is like, I, okay, I just want, I'm just going to take one piece of advice and really help me get to the next level, whatever level I'm at. Like what's, what's the one thing that we as marketers should be paying attention to right now and should be doing? It's a great question. I think people should be paying attention to running proper diagnoses on their business. Um, you know, rather than trying to solve their problem through one mean or one vehicle, I think, People need to be very honest with themselves. Uh, and if you don't know how to do this, that's okay. Like find a professional. And mm-hmm. when I say find a professional in marketing, don't find someone that that specializes in ads or specializes in websites or whatever. Find someone who's actually proper like marketing strategist. Um, because if you run proper diagnostics on your business, 
that's when, you know, having someone else, because oftentimes business owners, our egos get in the way. Like, right. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't want anyone to tell us how to run our business or how to fix things. And we, yeah. can, we can be running blind. Most business owners we speak to, we have 56 active clients right now um, for, for marketing and branding. Most of them are, have so many blind spots they're not even aware of. So my, my advice is to any business owners is you've got blind spots. You just got to own it. You got to admit, it. I have blind spots. I have a, I have a mentor for that reason. I have a mentor I go to, Hey man, this is what's happening. He's like, dang, huge blind spots over here. Holy crap. I didn't realize what do I do about it? Right? So <laughs> yeah. you have to, yeah, you don't need necessarily a life coach, but you need, you need someone to keep you accountable. You need someone to, to, to have a different perspective on your business you have to have someone to help you identify your blind spots. You got to have someone helping you run diagnostics on your business. Because if you know what the diagnostics are, then you can start talking about, okay, how do we strategize our way out of this? How do we create a strategy that's going to solve this problem? Um, And then how do we build that out tactically? And once it's built, who do I delegate it to? Do I do it? Does my team do it? You know? So um, yeah, the best, the best marketing advice I have for people check out clubhouse. Um, Really interesting. Even if you don't like what people are talking about, just be observant. Just be like, Okay, everyone says the same thing in a similar way. And why are they doing that? What's their intention? What's going on with these rooms? What rooms are popping? What aren't? You know, if you want to start getting aware of what's happening in the marketplace, um, you know, look up people that are in your industry on Clubhouse right now. Really interesting to to just be super observant and to just really just run, I guess, a bit of research about your industry. Look for those that are in your industry as leaders on Clubhouse. Just be observant. Um, and uh, there's a lot to, to take in there. But yeah, run diagnostics, find your blind spots, find some people that help you creatively navigate out of that um, and start looking at ways you can use branding versus just marketing. Because marketing is, you know, tactics, strategy, diagnosing problems. Branding is like a lot more long-term. It's a lot more like, okay, what's our impact? Why do we exist? Why should people care? How do we design ourselves in in a fun way? How do we create a really phenomenal experience? So if you can get really good at marketing, and really good at branding and get good at both things. Um, that's how you create a really sound business. Um, but if you're just, if your version of marketing is running an ad or just doing one or two things, um, I would seriously consider, um, looking at how can you strategize and do free things? Like how can you do venture capital partnerships? How can you go out and network and do live events? This marketing is so many things. It's not just, you know, running one ad in one place to generate one result. You have to go, cool. How can I generate results? in five different places. One last metaphor for you is, you know, if you build a business on, on a table that has one leg, it's not going to be a very sturdy table. Most people treat their business like yeah. a table with one leg. I got one way of getting clients and that works fine. Cool. Diversify, put a few more legs on that, on that business. Maybe they're not going to bring in as big of a client as that one leg does, but you should be experimenting with different things. For me right now, clubhouse is making me a lot of money and I'm, I don't even run channels. I jump in rooms. People ask questions. I jump in and I answer a question occasionally. Um, I, yesterday I spoke for three minutes in a big room. Um, someone asked a question. I jumped in. I answered a question for three minutes. I had a really sound anecdotal reference to answer it. I had 200 people follow me and I had about 60 DMs. People asking me, well, how do I do this? You know, and here's why, because in a room full of life coaches, People that have tactical sound advice are really interesting to listen to. So you're going to stand out. If you have real yeah. advice and you have real methods, again, don't jump in a room and be like, hey, what's up, guys? My name is Dan Walker. I run an agency of 14 people and based out of Australia. And I work with Olympic athletes and blah, blah, blah. You know, like that's, that's how everyone's jumping into Clubhouse right now. If you just jump in, 
Hey, what's up guys? Dane here. Um, I have an answer for your question. Here it is. This is why I did. They're like, who's that guy? I'm going to go look you up yeah. and DM you. Yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's not the be all and end all, but it's a great, it's a great quick and easy thing that anyone can add to their day immediately. But the big stuff is you got to look at your blind spots. You got to get some help with that. Um, hmm. But yeah. So good. So not that you probably need any more DMS, uh, but somebody <laughs> wants to connect with you, uh, to kind of learn more about, uh, maybe what you have to offer. Um, I know you, you have a course out there. Um, what's like, what, what's the best way for people to like really just learn from you or engage with you? Yeah. Great question. Um, anyone that wants to just chat, hit me up on Instagram. Um, I will talk to you if you get a reply. It is me. It's on my team. Um, so just look up at Dane Walker. Um, if you need help with your business, you know, just go to my website, victoryfront.com. Um, you can book in a time with my team and you can talk to them about strategy tactics for branding and marketing. Cool. Cool, man. Well, Dane, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, there's so much value coming out of this call and, I think we could go for another five to 10 hours easily and still, still provide a lot of value. So, um, so I really appreciate your time here. And, um, and so, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, yeah. Just again, thanks. Thanks again. And, and so for those that are, that are listening, um, I would really encourage you to follow Dane on Instagram a lot of really cool stuff. If you're into design and so forth, there's, it's just visually pleasing as well. And uh, there's a lot to learn on that, uh, on that platform. So, and then obviously you get to go uh, search them out on clubhouse as well. Thanks so much for listening to the big brand theory podcast. Make sure to like, and follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast today. 